I'm Bob Main. I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. What makes you think I should sit here and defend why we don't need a national gun registry when you you don't even have the, the most simple plan to affect criminals that are shooting the children that we read about in Chicago every single week? But instead, you wait for something to happen at a school so you can jump up and down on the graves of those dead children to use that to try to pass an agenda when people are upset? That's disgusting. And welcome to episode 565. This is a practical show done by a practical guy that is me. This week's subject, Carrie Safer, and my special guest, Tom Sotis from Carrie Safer and Amok. And Tom is one of the leading trainers and experts on edged weapons, knives, and also many other different types of combative techniques. So Tom's going to be my guest coming up real soon. This show is brought to you by Concealment Solutions. They are one of my sponsors. They are manufacturers of fantastic Kydex holsters outside the waistband and inside the waistband. Even good hybrid holsters like the Black Mamba that people have been using for years. Excellent mag carriers. They also sell mag holder mag pouches. Check them out, concealmentsolutions.com. I use their holsters a lot, concealmentsolutions.com. And here's the cool thing. You get a 10% discount just by using the words handgun world. Make it all one word at checkout, and you get a 10% discount. Handgun world is your discount code. Well, do you carry a knife? Do you carry a flashlight? Do you carry a tactical pen? Do you carry some less lethal defense weapons like that? Because remember, you know, my good friend Ben Branham has always been famous for saying, your mind is the weapon, train it well. And really, you know, it's, it's never been said better than that. Ben is absolutely correct. Your mind is the weapon, not the gun, not the knife, not the pen, not the flashlight. Your mind is the weapon. But Tom Sotis, for decades, has been teaching excellent techniques on self-defense and also even in the firearms arena. So he's going to be my guest coming up. This is very informative. There's two parts to this interview. Part one, you're going to hear right now. And there's a lot of good information in part one. A lot that you're going to hear right now. Part two is going to be heard by everybody who supports this show, either on my Patreon membership site, patreon.com slash handgunworld, or at shootersclubmembers.com. Patreon supporters and Shooters Club member supporters are going to hear part two of Tom's excellent interview. So I'm going to take this opportunity, since I'm talking about classes, to let, let you know there's still time for some last-minute sign-ups for the class that Ben Branham and I are teaching September 25th and 26th in San Antonio. That is one week, less than a week away. So go over to Handgun World and check that out, handgunworld.com. You can sign up for it on my site, and it's going to be a pretty nice, cool class. Pistol Fighting Dynamics. Even a little bit of a different twist on what we've taught for years 
called Beyond Concealed Carry. So here we go, my guest, Tom Sotis. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my special guest joining me this week is Tom Sotis from, let's make sure I get this right, Tom, carrysafer.com. Did I get that right? You did, Bob. Thank you. All right. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, you're welcome. Also, Amok is, uh, you've had that for a long time, right? Uh, Amok.global is my other website. Yeah, and that's the one that I've had for about 25 years. Uh, Carry Safer is pretty new. Good. Amok.global. Well, you have a very solid, good reputation in teaching people the art of using an edged weapon for self-defense, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my forte. Uh, I've spent about uh, the last 30 years with a knife in my hand every day. Yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty good. But tell us about Carry Safer. What is Carry Safer? Um, well, let me background that with a little bit of a mock first, so it'll okay. explain Carry Safer. Um, as I've been doing knife work for the last 30 years, for the last 25 years, I've spent quite a bit of time working with handgunners, uh, defensive pistol shooters, and so forth, and helping them to solve that equation between how do you deal with that close quarters knife attack? Because, of course, the old adage, don't bring a knife to a gunfight is true, but equally true is don't bring a gun to a knife fight. And so that's pretty much what I've been bringing to the table for about 25 years with a mock. And, but most of those courses, the, uh, the gun-related courses, usually those were for uh, the intelligence agencies and uh, higher-level law enforcement, the FBI and Secret Service and so forth. I wasn't doing too much of those with the general public. I was doing some of that with the uh, uh, some of the uh, tactical shooters, but they were just uh, one-off seminars. What I hadn't done is segue those courses specifically for gun people. And in the past, um, I had I had training. But I wasn't fully certified to teach any uh, pistol or gun work. And so the courses and verbiage and so forth uh, didn't match like it does now. So that was one of the reasons that as I wanted to bring these courses to the general public, that I became certified by the NRA and the USCCA in uh, pistol instruction and defensive shooting and so forth, so that my courses will have the uh, right verbiage and will dovetail very specifically uh, for concealed carry. So that's how so, Carry Safer was born, right? Yes, because now, you know, because I've been doing more work in that area and getting involved with the USCCA, that's when I decided to say, look, I should segue these courses and offer them specifically for concealed carry because it expands their capability and reduces their liability. Uh, a lot of people, uh, I really applaud their effort to get a concealed carry permit and uh, get that training. But the training typically required for the permit is very limited. You know, you're shooting at a piece of paper a few feet away. Uh, and a lot of that doesn't deal with the dynamics of what happens when you're actually under attack. Uh, yeah. and, and, then, and that's what I'm bringing to the table with carry safe. Is what happens, what are you going to do if you're actually under attack, Right. From close quarters, at a distance yeah. where you have time to draw your firearm and, and put a, put off rounds safely, well, that's one thing. Um, but we know that uh, a great deal in the number of attacks happen in very close quarters. So uh, some of the things that we work on are firearms retention when your firearm is in its holster and also when it's out of its holster. 
And then we deal with how do you access your weapons safely when you're under an empty hands assault? Because especially if you have multiple opponents. And then also another one of the real specialties I do is how do you access against a knife attack such that you can protect yourself, get them off you and create enough distance or enough of a moment where you can safely access your weapon to introduce uh, some good news to your attacker without exchanging shots for stabs. That's the trick. Because a lot of guys have techniques, but when you put it into force on force and you start seeing the exchange of shots for stabs, it doesn't work out well. Uh, people so, are probably pretty surprised by that, how much it doesn't work out, right? Uh, very much so. Very much so. Um, and, and so, you know, a, a lot of the guys, they, that was a wake-up call for them, and they really grabbed a hold of it and said, hey, I really want to get this down. So we spent a lot, of, a, a lot of time, and what we do is done in real time with full-on attacks with knock trainers so that you can be assured that what you're learning works in real time because you're learning it and doing it in real time. Yeah, Tom, I'd like you to I'd like you to make a comment on something because I have a lot of new listeners too. And when I say new listeners, I also mean new gun owners. People that maybe just got a gun because of the recent times that we've been through. And a lot of people speak to this if you would for a minute. A lot of people think that the firearm is some kind of a magic weapon and that all they got to do is pull it out of their holster and press the trigger and all their problems go away in the attack i'm sure that's not true well you know i, I understand the, the relative thinking from people who haven't really put any real thought to it beyond yeah i need to arm myself and so they do so and i and i applaud the initial effort so do i uh, for them to do that i, I i'm just so I. i'm so happy to see so many new gun owners yeah. and that's another reason that carry safers come out because i want to be able to offer them the ancillary skills that they need beyond shooting a piece of paper because look buying a guitar doesn't make you a musician buying golf clubs don't make you a firearm. golfer <laughs> and it, well and right and the thing with a firearm is that once you have it you can imagine a thousand scenarios where you could draw that and you'd have a positive outcome but the reality of that in that situation is that it's not going to have very good positive outcomes. Even when you successfully shoot down an attacker, that's a very uh, difficult situation. We want to be tactically sound, legally correct, morally correct, and socially responsible whenever possible in order to achieve a best possible outcome. So when we're looking at the situation, the totality of that says, well, we need three separate sets of skills to negotiate these phases of this encounter. One would be the pre-engagement phase. What have you done in terms of strategizing and your will? So you know under what circumstances, what are you willing to do? And that means you know you're going to be held fully accountable legally and criminally and civilly. You're going to be held accountable for your actions. If you take these actions, are you willing to be held accountable for them and to assume the consequences? If you haven't thought it through to that end, then you really haven't thought out proper strategies for this situation or that one and that one. And in the moment, that's when you're going to get a lot of hesitation and dithering because you're going to ask yourself, what should I do? And then you have to try to figure it out when you're under stress and pressure. And that's the worst possible time. So you want to get your strategies and protocols in place, and then you want to have proactive awareness. And that means situational awareness. 
so that you understand your environment, the potential threats around you. But it also wants to take that one step further into confrontational skills where when you are approached by somebody, do you know what to say and do so that you can maintain independent thought and control? Good point. So that you so that you then don't fall under the uh, the guy asks you what time it is and you tell him what time it is and then blah, blah, blah. And pretty soon you're only discussing what he wants to discuss. And then he's achieved his aim of keeping your mind busy while he gets close to you. So learning how to manage confrontations so that you can potentially see them and avoid them or then to be able to escape before there is physical contact. And this is all very important. And learning how to deal with adult challenges as well. So the de-escalation is very, very important. And that goes hand in hand with your proactive awareness. So these, these pieces bring us right up to the point of contact. And should you have to make physical contact with somebody and you have this technology, these skills, then it allows you to meet that attack on the best possible mental and physical platform rather than not sure how you should be standing or moving and asking yourself what you should do under the moment of an assault. Yeah, that's, a, way, yeah, that's, that's important stuff. Well, it's all really vital, and it's very important for you in terms of a criminal and criminal uh, uh, litigation as well, because uh, as well, you're going to be held accountable for your actions. Uh, was it an imminent threat? Okay. Did, did you identify that threat? Did you do anything to avoid that threat? So when you start looking at all of the things that you're going to be held accountable for, well, what did you do to try to avoid? Uh, and so, again, the best situation is one that's avoided to begin with. Um, but at least then, if you do enter into a situation, you made your best effort to try to de-escalate or made an effort to escape. You did something to try to avoid. You had some type of, of content and something that you could work with other than, I just got my gun. Well, what are you going to do, pull your gun to scare him away? That's not going to happen. No, that's not a very good you idea. You can throw your firearm unless you are ready to put rounds in them. Yeah. So this this becomes the 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 uh, the pre engagement phase is so so important uh, and usually not very well covered. Well, and so let's attempt to cover that. You say it's not very well covered, and you're right. So let's give the listeners and the viewers a little bit of a nugget here, maybe one or two nuggets of knowledge. What is it that they could do? What would you suggest, or what do you see most of the time that they need to do to de escalate? Well, Okay, I'll, I'll push something into a nutshell for you. <clears throat> Let's say, how would you manage a, a, a criminal approaching you? Well, first off, when you come out of a store or you come to the parking lot or whatever, you should cast your awareness about to look at all of the people. And you cannot judge them by how they're dressed, cause, but, all, but by their behaviors. The first thing you'd want to notice is, Who's looking at you? Why should somebody be paying attention to you instead of whatever else they should be doing? That's number one as a flag. If, I, if somebody's paying attention to me, I want to be very well aware of them. And then number two, I want to be able to look at people's movement like traffic patterns. So we would call Loitering Larry, that guy who's positioned somewhere where he looks like he's busy doing something and you go to walk right past him. And next thing you know, he's right in front of you because you achieved that proximity on him. You got close to him because you just assumed for some reason he was otherwise occupied and he wasn't. Or it could be the opposite of that where you're standing still and that person walks up on you. We call them Direct Dan and we give them funny names because they're easy to remember. But Direct Dan would walk right up on you. Whereas intersecting Isaac, when you're walking, they try to walk a path to intersect yours. So in other words, 
who's getting close to me or who am I getting close to? That's number one that I want to be aware of. Who's looking at me? Who's getting within my traffic pattern? And then from there, if somebody then begins to approach, hey, you know, do you have a dollar? Do you have 50 cents or whatever? As soon as you answer them, you have automatically stepped into the trap of allowing your mind to be narrowed into the, the corridor of conversation that they want to have because their job is to gain proximity and then to approach you to get in position to attack PAPA these four stages so when they're approaching you that's part of their interview to see if you are as vulnerable as they expect you're going to be and that's why when they start to approach hey what what time is it or do you have or whatever you don't answer them you would say hey would you stand back please and by doing that, that's an integrity test. The honest person, you'll read that in them. They'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. And then they kind of back off and tell you what they need. The dishonest person will stand there and try to hover and try not to lose that real estate. And they'll ignore what you just said. Right. And so then if they persist, oh, yeah, but I just need, and you say, hey, back off. And then say, whatever, back the F off. And as they, their persistence is an escalation. So you need to escalate as well. And also while you're doing this, you would want to hold your hands up, your fence that are about halfway up so you could protect yourself or you could eye jab if you need to. And also you're showing with your posture, you want them to stand back. And as I do that, I would typically move in a semicircle to three o'clock or nine o'clock on my dial. And the reason that I would do that is as they're walking towards me to arrest their forward momentum makes them do a J turn. So they can't just continue walking up on you, even though you tell them to stand back. And furthermore, and most important, it allows you to see what was behind you when you have done a 90 degree turn so that their buddy who is standing behind you can't attack as well. And now you've seen him. So knowing what to do and what to say is really important. And I'd like to throw something out there and say that initially I learned a lot of this from Craig Douglas from ShivWorks. The guy's got a lot of great material. He shared this with me years ago, and it's one of the most important things that I share with others. Okay, So I definitely want to put Greg, uh, Craig's uh, uh, name out there for the credit where it deserves. And all of this is very important to you, establishing your position. You know what to say and you know what to do. You're not playing their game. You're not vulnerable. You become, you see, so it's hard for them to gain proximity. Their approach isn't working. You deny them the, the uh, uh, positioning that they're looking for. Okay. And then, of course, the final stage of that would be if they are going to attack you, and sometimes they will, no matter how well you had responded. Typically, they've already lost their elements of surprise, so they're going to try to disguise their attack and then deliver it. So the disguises will come from them fixing or grooming themselves or fix the hat or the nose or something else. Usually, they'll fix something, bang, and here comes the punch. Or they'll, they'll look. They'll look behind you or up or down or behind them, and then here comes the punch. Or they'll angle so that they can get that strike in there or move offline. So as you move, you're hitting them. They'll hit you. So they look to fix, look, angle, and they look to trick you as well. If they're speaking, they're lying. And if every action is a distraction, there's your tricking. So these are the things that we look for when we run our drills and when we do our scenario-based training so that by the time somebody tries to give them the business and they, they try to this stuff, it doesn't work. It's very obvious. So it's a lot easier for you to see an incoming attack and then manage it with the technical skills you have. If you don't have these skills, you're going to be in a situation where you're probably going to be inside your own head thinking about what to do, which significantly slows down your recognition skills. That's why people always say, well, I never even saw him hit me. Well, why not? He was standing right in front of you. 
because part of the mental strain was used up trying to solve that situation. That's why they right. were missing that incoming attack. You never saw so, him hit no, you because you fell into his trap. Right. So I know I just dumped a lot out there all at once, but I just wanted to give a nutshell about some of the important concepts and movements and drills and things that we do to help a person maintain their independent thought and control over themselves during a negative confrontation like that. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. You know, for 16 years, I have been telling people to carry their gun, get their permit, get training, learn how to use their gun, learn how to fight with their gun. But I also tell them the last thing you want to do is pull that gun out of the holster. And and it should be the very last resort. Would you agree with that? Well, and yeah. And if we don't give them the technology so that is the last resort, it'll end up being their first resort. Yeah. And we don't want that because, you know, that can lead to a whole nother complete set of challenges that can be very disastrous. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And that's why I also teach how to use your flashlight and how to use a pen. Ah, good. Okay, and so forth. So that, and also when you're empty hand, how do you access? And you could use those same moves with a pen or your flashlight so that you have some self-protection capability as some force multipliers working for you that are not just all the way to going to your firearm. You teach how to use a tactical pen like this, right? Absolutely. And I always have my light with me, always, which I'm sure you could teach me how to fight with this thing and with this pen, too. And that's the best thing about learning knife work. You learn it properly. You can substitute any other handheld instrument and still be effective and efficient with it. And so that's why if I show you a move with a knife, we can then do it with empty hands. We can do it with a flashlight. We can do it with a pen. So some guys talk about one mind all weapons, but a mock actually provides that platform and technology to transfer between those different weapons platforms. Because, hey, who has time to learn four different sets of skills, really? No, it's hard. And speaking of learning skills, I can't wait. I cannot be there this month when you come down to Orange, Texas. But I'm going to try to make it to one of your other classes because I do a lot of traveling. And I'm not always driving. Sometimes I'm flying. And even in this day and age, I still get on an airplane sometimes. And, of course, when I go through TSA and get on the plane, these are the only two weapons I've got with me. And TSA allows these. I've got on a lot of flights And I've never had TSA deny me these. One time I did have uh, the security at TSA ask me, why did I have this flashlight? And my response was, I'm afraid of the dark and I want to be able to use my flashlight. And they just kind of laughed and they passed me through. But this is all I can take on the airplane. That's right. I travel a lot as well as foreign countries. And most times you go anywhere, you're not going to have your firearm. So what else do you have? So speaking of what else do you have, give me your opinion on this. I know that you're a straight-shooting guy. Is this folding knife any good as a weapon? And if so, how? Or if it's not, how? how is this not? Because I got a folding bench-made knife. Well, the criteria of a folding knife for carry is, number one, ADL, always be legal. So be sure that the length of your weapon is going to be legal so that should you be forced to use it, it legally, you won't then have a technical violation against you. That's it's, number one. This one's legal, yes. Number two, what is the uh, strength of the lock? There are all different kinds of locks. 
And some locks are good, and some of those good locks made with crappy components are not. So depending on the lock itself, you know, some people say, well, what about a liner lock? I say, well, a lot of them are terrible, but I've come across some that are perfectly fine. So again, if that's not going to fold on your fingers, good to go. So make sure that the lock is real firm and, and learn about that. There's a lot of videos on YouTube that will talk to you about the different types of locks and their pros and cons. After that, I think what's also important is the handle itself. Some people have a handle that doesn't fit their hand very well. And you'll know if it fits your hand well because you should be able to put some motor oil on your hand or, or something to compromise your grip and then hold your knife and see if you can stab something firm. And if your hand doesn't slide up, you know you can hold it. But again, you don't want to find out in the moment you can't hold your blade. And the other thing is, can you squeeze that real, real hard to such that it doesn't hurt your hand? Because if something squeezes your hand or if you're rolling around and you go to get up on the ground and you put your hand down to push yourself up, uh, is that going to hurt your hand? I know that sounds out there, but there's so many little things to consider, just like with a firearm. Does it fit your hand properly? Does your finger come to the trigger right? Do you need to adjust the backstrap? Everybody's hand is a little different. So the firearm uh, shape and handle of their grip, it's going to be a little different for everyone. It's the same with a knife. To me, the last consideration itself uh, in, in, the, in the respect of the overall blade is the shape of the blade itself. For the most part, so long as it's relatively straight, you're good to go. I am not a fan of the karambits. Number one, particularly, I don't like the hole on it because people say you can't drop it. Exactly, that's the case. If you get it tied up in somebody's clothes and you're rolling around, that thing can rip your finger or break it. Not definitely going to get a best outcome there. Okay. The curved blade on the bottom it gives you a better slash, but it does not give you a more ergonomic thrust and hooking action than others. So I know there's a lot of knife guys that will try to say that I'm wrong about that. But I've been doing knives for 30 years. I've had karambits for 30 years. And in the end, when we get up to fight and they use a karambit trainer and I use a regular one, they're not doing any spinny and flippy stuff like that. They're back to using it the normal way. So that kind of a blade is very good for performance arts, for people that are doing techniques against somebody who's cooperating with them, but they don't function as well when you're fighting against someone who's trying to hurt you back. And they're not going to be cooperating with you. No. The other thing that you want to look at is the clip itself. Does Is the clip firm? Does it work in your pocket? And then the whole thing is with your, with your weapon, if you can't get it out and open in an instant, just like you can't draw your firearm and get it up and out. You're in trouble. Access equals success. And you've got to be able to get that up and out of your pocket, drawn and deployed, and put into action in one movement. Not draw, deploy, strike. That's three things. You've got to be able to fish that out, open it, and strike in one action. Yeah, it takes too long. I'll be doing some videos on that that will go up on the website. And that's part of my courses that teach people how to properly access your weapon. So these are a lot of things that we go over, especially for gun people. How do you select a, a trainer or a fighter okay and how do you handle that weapon not just how do you fight with it how do you conceal it how do you draw and deploy how do you strike with that appropriate what are the different grips and the pros and cons to those all of those are important things for people to bring to bear in with their decisions for how to arm themselves for a lethal encounter and those wep uh, those uh, weapons excuse me those videos are going to be going up on your carry safer website I'll be putting uh, some different snippets of them. I don't know if I'll do any instructional ones that are up there. I may or may not. That remains to be seen. 
right. but that stuff is actually offered in the courses. You'll see yeah. in the listings, there's one that says intro to knife skills. And that's the equivalent of understanding how to load and operate your firearm and how to draw and pull the trigger. It doesn't show you how to fight. It just shows you all the handling skills. And then we have some self-protection courses as well to go along with that fire, the firearm so that we're not entirely reliant upon it. And those things then complement our firearm, okay? Yeah. And we can use them in tandem. In 2003, my company, we even did a video called Fighting for Your Gun, where we showed how to use a gun and a knife in tandem. And that was 19 years ago, or 18 years 18, ago. 18, yeah. It's, it's still up on, up on Amazon, by the way. Really? Okay. What's, the, what's the title of it? How to use your knife fighting, and your gun? Fighting for your gun. Fighting and, for your uh, gun. Ian Von Rensberg from South Africa did that along with some of the people who used to be with me at that time and no longer are. But uh, I still leave it up there because some people, uh, they utilize that technology still. But we were way ahead of the curve on that. Yeah. Only a lot of guys are starting to talk about it now. So real quickly, before we conclude the the public part of this, and, and by the way, for everybody listening and watching, if you're a Patreon supporter of mine or you're a member of the Shooters Club, you're going to get part two as soon as this release is part two will be available. But let's conclude part one right now. Um, tell Talk about the class that you're teaching that John Payne is hosting you. You're coming down here to Texas, right? Oh, yeah, I'll be down there on the... Uh 17th and 18th or 18th 19th it's the saturday that's, and sunday that's the weekend after this show comes out yeah so we'll be uh, at the orange gun club down in orange texas with john payne john's been a very good friend of mine for many years and he's brought me in a few times before so we're looking forward to getting together and doing this all over again so we'll be doing some knife work and some accessing and a few odds and ends and and then we always leave plenty of time so that well, we can answer questions that might not have been covered on the topics that were offered. You know, I always think it's a shame if somebody comes to a seminar and they have a question, they don't get that answered before they leave. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing my friends in Texas again very soon. Yeah. Well, if there's some last minute people that want to sign up for this in the show notes for this uh, episode and for this video, I'll put a link on how you can sign up uh, for that. But maybe I might want to get you to come to San Antonio one day and do the class as well. Oh, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. This is what I've done for 25 years is I've traveled and done seminars. I've done over 1,200 seminars in 24 countries. Yeah, Actually, close that's to 15. Great. I stopped counting about a year and a half ago. <laughs> so uh, yeah. this is all I I would love to come to San Antonio anytime. Yeah, I may get you down here to the Alamo City. And uh, when the weather gets a little cooler, we're still above 95 degrees here right now. So yeah. good luck in Orange, Texas. You're going to have a little bit of humidity down there. That's all right. I'm used to it. I spend <laughs> time in Thailand every year as well. Okay. Place. So I'm, I'm used to the heat. That's okay. I've spent a lot of time in the Philippines because that's where my wife is from. And oh, there's a lot of humidity there, too. Yeah, I've trained in the mountain camps for years with the old men over there. I did years ago. And it was, it was well, yes, it was hot. <laughs> very, very. Although, I tell you what, Texas heat is, I've been all over the world, too, just like you. Texas heat is some of the worst. Yeah. But we'll get you here. We'll get you here. Okay. I'll uh, I'll be back in touch with you to, um, you know, possibly set that up. Before we conclude part one, what do you want to leave uh, with the listeners and, and the viewers? 
Uh, first off, I want to thank you for the opportunity to address your listeners, and uh, I hope they found uh, found it interesting or learned an in, uh, something uh, that could be useful for them. I'm sure and, they did. And I, and I just love doing this. So uh, along with the other things, the last thing I would point out is firearms retention is a big thing that we need to practice because we don't need someone to take our firearm from us. And that's another course that we offer. And so uh, I, I just I hope that I get to meet some of your listeners and work with everybody. I like to get hands on with everybody in the room. And I don't care if I end up sitting on my somebody knocks me down. I'm on my butt. We'll get up and laugh and we'll do it again. Uh, we're all about everybody there to have a positive learning experience. And so I just can't wait to meet everybody and train again. Good, Tom. Thank you very much. Folks, this is Tom Sotis from Carry Safer and Amok. And, Tom, I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on. And uh, I look forward. We're going to do a part two here real soon for all the Patreon and Shooters Club members. Thanks. Okay, Bob. Thanks for your time, Tom. Bye-bye. Bye. Many thanks, Tom Sotis. I appreciate your time. I've always said time is not something I can give back to people. So, Tom, I very much appreciate you giving your time and giving us terrific information. That was good stuff. I I really learned a lot by doing this interview. Check out his websites, carrysafer.com and amok, A-M-O-K. Again, part two for everybody who's a Patreon supporter and a Shooters Club supporter. So go ahead and go to those websites, log in, become a member if you're not, and listen. Now, this show is also brought to you by Keepers Concealment, the leading authorities of appendix carry. I'm telling you, Spencer Keepers, is first of all, he's an awesome shooter. He is, I believe, the leading authority in America right now on appendix carry because he he makes holsters for it every day. He teaches it so often. I mean, there's all kinds of classes that he's doing. And I've taken a couple of his classes. And if you watch him on video, he's just he's amazingly fast drawing from the appendix carry position. So check it out, keepersconcealment.com. Everything can be found. His classes can be found there. He's also an affiliate of CCW Safe. In this interview, Tom Sotis talked about another organization, but any of the organizations out there that provide legal protection if that bad day comes and you have to use your firearm, take advantage of it. CCW Safe is an affiliate of Keepers Concealment, and you can save 10% on your membership there by using the coupon code KC10OFF. All of this is going to be in the show notes. Once again, that's kc 10 off. Speaking of the show notes, check out all the notes because I'm going to have a link in there, a direct link to my YouTube channel. I'm going to have a direct link to Shooters Club and to Patreon, the class for you to sign up and come train with us next weekend. And I'm going to also obviously have Carrie Safer and Amok in the show notes. And finally, a link to my Amazon store. And whenever you're doing your Amazon shopping, just click one of the products that you see in my store. You don't have to buy that product, but click that product and then whatever shopping you do on that session through Amazon, it helps me and I'm an affiliate. So I get, you don't even have to spend any extra money, but you'll be supporting the Handgun World podcast. How cool is that? And lately I've received a couple of good iTunes reviews. 
I'll take reviews whether they're good, bad, or indifferent. But if you use Apple Podcasts, drop a review on there. Any of the podcast apps probably give you a chance to review my show. And I would like to read what it is that you have to say about your experience here at the Handgun World Podcast. So thanks for tuning in. Remember, shoot straight, shoot safe, read your Bible every day. And I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.